0: Good Thursday, everyone. Well, we're looking at Christmas, and we're trying to determine the answer to to the question that the Carol posed, what child is this? Who was that baby that was born so long ago in Bethlehem that garners so much attention and also who has affected the world more than any other person? Who was this child that was born in Bethlehem? Well, we're trying to gain the answer by looking at four different perspectives. And we've called the first the palace perspective, and that is, how did King Herod view this child? Then we're going to talk about the prophetic perspective. What did the angel say about the child? And then we're going to look at the people's perspective, and that is, what did the shepherds think about the child? And then finally, the personal perspective, what did Mary think of this child and so we have been talking about the first one and we have seen that Herod viewed this child as a king who was a threat to his throne but we saw that his fear was mistaken Jesus was not a threat to his natural throne that was not the kingdom he was after the kingdom that he was establishing was not of this world he told Pilate if it were then his servants would fight He told others that the kingdom would not come with observation, but that it was internal, that the kingdom was within them. What does all this mean? What is the perspective we gain from the palace? It means that that baby that was born was a king, but the kingdom he was establishing was a spiritual kingdom. It wasn't a natural one. And what he wants is the throne of our hearts. He is the rightful one to sit there and to guide and direct us, and show us how to live. He is the king of kings. So he doesn't want a natural kingdom. He just wants to be the king of the kings. He wants to be the king of lawyers. He wants to be the king of doctors and workers and so forth. He is the king of kings. He wants to sit on the throne of our heart. Don't be defensive like Herod, who tried to protect his throne to his own peril. But we need to yield the throne of our hearts to God. In that sense, our lives are like a palace. It's meant to be the residence of a king. It's not meant for you to sit on the throne of your heart. But we need to yield the throne of our heart to the Lord, to invite him in, to take up residence within us, and to rule and to reign over us. This is the first perspective of the child, the palace perspective. Now, let's go on and look at the second perspective. And the second perspective is the prophetic perspective. In other words, what did the angels say? What was the heavenly perspective of this one that was born in Bethlehem? Well, if we could bring an angel back, what would he say to us? Well, I don't know for sure, but perhaps he'd say something like this. We could never have figured it out. Not one of the angels had any idea it was going to happen. How could the creator of the universe be born as a baby? He created man. Why would he become a man? I couldn't even imagine him becoming an angel, let alone a human. It was a mystery hid through all time. Not even I, Gabriel, had any inkling until I was dispatched with the news to Mary. We knew that a Messiah was promised, but how could anyone imagine that it would be the incarnation of God himself? I realize now that it was all prophesied and foretold in scripture, but we just didn't see it. The prophet Isaiah was the clearest when he predicted that a virgin would conceive and that a child would be born and a son would be given. He said that the government would be upon his shoulder and his name would be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It was only when I was told to tell Joseph that he was to call his name Jesus as he would save his people from their sins that it all began to make sense. The world will never understand how much the Son of God had to lay aside. In heaven he was so majestic and powerful. But as a baby... So small and vulnerable. He was completely dependent upon that young teenage mother. We watched him grow and live as a man. He was so human, hungering and thirsting, yet he never lost his identity. He always knew who he was. Let me tell you the worst and the best part of it all to me. The worst part was when he was arrested and nailed to the cross. I tell you, we all had to be restrained from going down to help him as he bled and died. The best part was the resurrection. What a thrill to be in the tomb and tell the disciples that he was not there, but that he had risen. Yes, as I look back at it all now, it seems so clear why the Son of God had to become a man and die. But I will never cease to awe that it happened the prophetic perspective from the angel is that the baby that was born in bethlehem was the christ the son of the living god it was prophesied isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 isaiah was moved upon by the holy spirit to write these words therefore the lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. It means that God has come to us. And so Isaiah wrote that there is going to be a child born by a virgin, someone that had never known a man before, and that this one would be Emmanuel, God with us. But then the Holy Spirit moved on him again, and he wrote these words For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He must have really puzzled over that writing he probably could have understood how a child would be born and his name would be called Wonderful and Counselor. But when he began to be moved upon to write the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, he must have almost paused as he wrote it and almost second-guessed himself to say, this can't be so. How, How could a child be born that would be the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father? And yet, He penned the words, knowing that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Listen to how Peter addressed all of this in his first epistle, in chapter 1, verse 10. This salvation was something the prophets did not fully understand. Though they wrote about it, they had many questions as to what it all could mean. They wondered what the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. For he told them to write down the events which, since then, have happened to Christ, his suffering, and his great glory afterwards, and they wondered when and to whom all this would happen. They were finally told that these things would not occur during their lifetime, but long years later, during yours. And now at last, this good news has been plainly announced to all of us. It was preached to us in the power of the same heaven-sent Holy Spirit who spoke to them. And it is all so strange and wonderful that even the angels in heaven would give a great deal to know more about it. This was such a unique and spectacular happening that even when the prophets wrote about it, they didn't understand it. And the angels themselves who are in heaven, they didn't understand it. The scriptures say that they even longed to look into this more so that they could understand it more. It is incredible that a child would be born that would be the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is the prophetic perspective. This was not just a spectacular human, but that this child was divine. He was the son of the living God. Now, of all the Gospels, John in particular has this viewpoint. It's interesting as we are going to be talking about the four perspectives of Christmas that that to a certain degree, each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, align with one of the perspectives. Matthew speaks much about him being the king of the Jews. John focuses on this prophetic aspect. In fact as the other gospels start and begin to tell us about the baby being born in Bethlehem John starts from a whole different perspective he doesn't start from the earthly point of view he starts from the heavenly point of view and we see his starting point in John 1 and 1 it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things are made through him And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then as we drop down to verse 14, he says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth now how are we to understand these verses how are we to understand that the word became flesh Well, i want you to know that when we use the word word we're talking about an expression i'm using words right now as i am expressing myself to you they're being carried over the radio waves and you are hearing words and so as a result you're receiving my thoughts my ideas That which is within me is being expressed to you through words. And God uses words in the very same way. So God has expressed himself in creation through the spoken word. He spoke to Adam, to Noah, to Moses through the spoken word. But then he's also used the written word. And we have the Bible, which is the expression of God, the word of God. But all of these were inadequate. To really show us who God was and what he was like. And so God did something remarkable. He allowed the word to become flesh and dwell among us. And in and through this baby Jesus, he revealed himself completely and totally to mankind. This child was going to manifest who God was like. He was the word made flesh and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Well, we've just got started in this, and this is a tremendous study as we will continue tomorrow. I'm Ken Miles. Bye for now. Life in Balance is a ministry of KW Christian Fellowship. We are located at 1000 Bleams Road in Kitchener. We would love to have you join us this Sunday for one of our services.